Hello, everyone. Welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Nick Rookrout. And I'm Sophia Simonello. And as you can see, we have Bennett Prosser back. Now that we've had a few days to digest all of the nominations from Golden Globes and SAG, I think we're ready to talk about it now. So we're bringing Bennett back to also talk about the awards draft and how that's going and how these nominations affected everything. Yeah, welcome back, Bennett. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here to talk about my favorite film of 2020, Music, directed by Sia. (laughs) I just want to get into that. Let's spend the whole episode on that. And as Pete Hammond said, it's not even out in the US yet. I think it was released in the UK maybe last week or this week, Mm -hmm. but it's not out yet here. And the controversy is just so... That's the only thing I know about it is the controversy. (laughs) As we discussed on our end of 2020 episode, I saw so many movies in 2020, more than I'd ever seen in any previous year, I would guess. And the first time I had heard of music was that morning when the nominations came out. (laughs) So if that's any kind of sign as to how these nominations went. (laughs) You know, we have lasted through this like year long award season watching movies waiting for them to come out and they're going to pick two movies that come out at the very last second yeah besides judas and the black messiah besides minari and nomadland it's like oh my god kate hudson definitely didn't want to be recognized as zoo i would guess (laughs) (laughs) but let's get into some of the winners So we're going to go through kind of some broader themes that we saw through these nominations so i would say our first winner of the morning for golden globes was promising young woman got a surprise nomination for best drama and best director for emerald Fennell. and carrie mulligan got nominated for best actress in a drama which is huge i think we knew carrie was going to be nominated at least i was hoping for it does this mean she's the front runner now i'm not sure because i think she could really win the Golden Globe here. I think there's been a big swell around her over the past few weeks as the movie came to VOD. I think a lot of people are talking about her, even we've discussed it, but everyone who might have issues with the film or talk about kind of the polarization of the film that Carrie seems to be surviving all of that. It still feels like a weird front runner for the category though, but I guess it makes sense based on the nominations. I know last time we talked about the Golden Globes, I kind of said I had this feeling that Carrie might win, but I'm having a hard time, I think, describing her or naming her as the front runner just because of the type of film that this is, the other nominations it can possibly garner. And, you know, a lot of times contemporary roles don't win. I think the most recent example I can think of is maybe Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook. I don't know. I'm I'm struggling because Viola gives a great performance and... I think Nomadland is actually Frances McDormand's best performance. So I don't know if she can kind of overcome those two, but we'll see. It's looking good for her. Like I said last time, I think Viola is her main competition. I feel like Frances might be third. So with SAG, we have four out of five of the nominees crossing over. And I don't necessarily think the conversation is for the Oscars is going to be Amy Adams versus Andre Day. But there is that fifth slot, which could also allow space for Zendaya, but I don't know what that competition is going to be. I love Zendaya, but I really did not like Malcolm and Marie. And I know that it has 
kind of a divisive response, at least among critics. And given its late rollout, I'm not sure if I can see Academy members voting for her or even finishing the movie, to be honest. So I think they'd be more inclined to go for Amy Adams or even for a Sophia Loren. I wonder about the Sophia Loren of it. I thought that her best chance in a precursor would be at SAG. Mm -hmm. If there was any fire for her, I feel like she would have shown up already. That I feel like the Sophia's not going to happen. But with Zendaya, I, the movie seems to be dropping with a thud on, on Netflix, both for fans of Zendaya from Euphoria, and they're put off by it. And then the actual industry is watching it and taking it personally. It made me not want to watch Euphoria. <sighs> I just was like, are you kidding oh, me? No. Anyway, the film that got the most Golden Globe nominations with six was actually Mank. So we said in our previous episode, like, what will happen with Mank? Do people actually like Mank? And sure enough, they like Mank enough to give it six nominations, including Best Picture Drama, Best Director for David Fincher, Best Actor for Gary Oldman, Best Supporting Actress for Amanda Seyfried, Best Screenplay, and Best Score for Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. That's quite the haul, especially from the Hollywood Forum Press. And then at SAG, it still did pretty well, but I think the big story out of SAG was that Amanda didn't get nominated. And I think people thought of her as the front runner for the film, as the shoe-in, and then to not see her there, it's kind of like, ooh, does this maybe not have as much acting support? It also didn't get an ensemble nomination. So it does make you wonder a little bit if it is just in those below-the-line awards that we'll see it. Very technical, but then Gary Oldman got in and he wasn't... I think that he's just a big name, and it just makes sense, I think, with you know his reputation in the industry, him playing the titular character. I compared him to Robert De Niro in The Irishman, and I kind of realized that that was foolish of me, maybe, because the big thing with The Irishman was that the Joe Pesci performance was just so strong mm -hmm. that people were focusing on that, where with this one, it's like, if you like Gary Oldman, if you think he's a strong performer in the industry, which he seems to have a lot of respect from his peers, he's just an easy person to nominate. I feel like The Mauritanian is a very Globes movie. I don't necessarily think it's going to get any Oscar nominations, but again, here with Actor, we have four out of the five crossing over. And so I don't think the conversation is Tahar Rahim versus Steven Yoon. The sad part is Delroy Lindo. So are we going to see Delroy and or Steven get in at the Oscars? If it's an and, then who's the, of the four that got nominated for both, who gets cut? Sophia, you might say Riz. Not anymore. No? You think he's in for good? I'm feeling good about him now, especially because that movie is so small and the fact that his performance was good enough to get him a Golden Globe and SAG, I can't see him missing Oscar. I almost want to say Gary Oldman could be a fifth, sixth spot. Mm. And that's probably just because I want Delroy to get in so badly and Steven Yoon, but yeah. Steven might miss out too, which is sad. I guess we can go on to another winner, which is Minari. Mm -hmm. Even though it was only nominated in foreign language at the Golden Globes, which we've been there. Um, yep. It did very well with SAG is up for Outstanding Ensemble. Steven is up. Yoon Jung is up for Supporting Actress. So it definitely has the support there that I feel like we saw with Parasite last year when they obviously took Ensemble at SAG. 
So mm-hmm. part of me wonders if Minari can win ensemble at SAG and then throw a wrench in there with the Oscars. What do you think? I think the biggest thing that I see is that, okay, yes, you can make the comparison between Minari and Parasite with, you know, being potentially for Minari foreign language film winner at the Golden Globes and then coming into SAG winning ensemble. I think that the big difference I see is that last year at the Golden Globes, Parasite was nominated for screenplay. Bong Joon-ho was nominated for director. Bong Joon-ho is just such a personality and so respected by so many people in the field. And he was great at campaigning and just like, we loved hearing everything he said the entire Mm -hmm. time during award season. And I think Minari is a much quieter film than Parasite. People don't know Lee Isaac Chung in the same way that they know Bong Joon-ho. So I don't see it reaching the heights that Parasite did when it comes to the Academy. But I think this is promising for a potential Best Picture nomination. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Stephen Yeun might be the kind of torchbearer for Minari in terms of a known quantity, able to just be the face of the film like Bong Joon-ho was for Parasite. But then, you know, Stephen Yeun's not going to get multiple nominations across the directing and writing categories and all that. So if he can get actor, then maybe that will help carry the film along in, in kind of visibility and uh, stature. If Stephen misses in actor, then I don't think that the film is going to go as far as it would have otherwise. But I'm very excited it did so well with SAG. I mean, that was very unexpected mm-hmm. to me. It's a great ensemble nomination. Yeah, especially because it means Alan Kim is nominated. <laughs> so if you're thinking of Minari as Parasite, is Trial of the Chicago 7 maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Or my comparison is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really uh. unfortunate. I like the latter a lot better. <laughs> yeah, right? Because, yeah. yeah, that's how it feels. Trial of the Chicago 7, it got lots of Golden Globe nominations. It was the only film that we'll talk about that got Golden Globe drama, director for Aaron Sorkin, screenplay for Aaron Sorkin, and SAG Ensemble. So it's the only one that got all of these big precursors. So the reason I'm comparing it to Three Billboards, it feels like this early film that's getting all these nominations and people are just kind of like really like that one but then when you think of it more you're like yeah it's a crowd pleaser Mm -hmm. it kind of you know checks that box for what the hollywood forum press thinks is a movie about the u.s and it has this big ending and good performances so I'm inclined to compare it to Three Billboards, which means that it will not win Best Picture at the Oscars, potentially, but is going to get a lot of nominations throughout the rest of industry awards. What do you guys think about this? I know you've said that it could win Best Picture, and I think it still could be likely. Obviously, I don't want it to happen. So if you want it to be (laughs) the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Three Billboards, either way, neither one. (laughs) So... But I think it's definitely going to have a shot at the title. It's going to come down to like a top two or three. It's going to depend on those races, the marketing campaigns for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. immediately latched on to the comparison to Three Billboards because at this point, I think both are my least favorite films in the (laughs) list of potential Oscar uh, Best Picture nominees. So I like that comparison. But no, I agree. I think 
they're both from, you know, writer, directors. Maybe Trial of Chicago 7 is, feels much more like a huge ensemble than either of those other films feel. But in terms of awards, I think it could follow the, the three billboards trajectory. That makes sense to me. My other point about Trial is that we only saw Sasha being nominated. We didn't see Mark Rylance. We didn't see Frank Langella. We didn't see Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. So is Sasha going to be our only trial acting nominee at the Oscars? I don't think so. I actually think, again, to make the three billboards comparison. So Mm. we did get two supporting actors at SAG for three billboards, but we didn't at the Globes. So Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell got in to, I believe, BAFTA also and Oscar. And I think what we could end up seeing is it's either going to be, we'll get to the he who must not be named in the supporting (laughs) actor race in a bit. But I think when we get to the Oscars, what we will see is we're either going to see a second trial of the Chicago seven person, or we're going to see like a surprise Paul Racy or something like that. But I think that it's likely just given the support from actors and once they, you know, maybe watch the movie or we maybe get a BAFTA nomination for a second person in Trial of the Chicago 7, we'll end up seeing Mark Rylance or Frank Langella come Oscar nomination morning. I keep forgetting about Frank Langella because I've <laughs> burned that memory in my mind. But I, I can definitely see him getting pulled up just as a kind of elderly statesman of the craft who's been nominated yep. before and we love him. And he has a big, funny, flashy um role in the movie that he could get in there sadly yeah bennett are you prepared for trial of the chicago seven to win best editing at the oscars uh, no <laughs> no i'm not prepared okay. for to win anything for sorkin okay. to get anything anyway, all right we'll, okay. we'll get there we'll get let there. alone their stunt ensemble nomination instead of tenant which i absolutely cannot believe that they got nominated I poor Tenet in that situation. So I would say our last winner, besides Trial of Chicago 7, which we'll be talking about, I feel, all award season, is Nomadland, which at the Golden Globes got picture, director, screenplay, and actress for Frances McDormand, which I think is a huge deal for a movie like Nomadland, which I feel like sometimes in previous years could have just been this critics film. And now it's getting support even at the Golden Globes. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. I'm waiting for when it gets, I think it's, is it coming to Hulu? Yeah, it'll be Hulu. Okay, I was gonna say, it's dropping to Hulu sometime this month or next month. Having a Mm -hmm. quiet and contemplative film directed by a woman about a woman. It's not a period piece. It's not a historical figure that it's just kind of about this woman's kind of like interior life and, and, and living her life that that's not something that you see getting director and screenplay and picture nominations regularly. Mm-hmm. Usually like maybe we would get a Francis nomination and that would be it. Yeah, exactly. It would be like, I feel like in the past movies like Elle or still Alice where it's just this like strong best actress nomination or even winner, but that's it. So in addition to it just being my favorite movie of last year, that's one of the reasons why I'm excited for it. It's a, such a good step in the right direction, I think, for the industry and for these awards. It's been a big critics film. Chloe Zhao is a critics darling. I don't know if it not getting an ensemble nomination is going to hurt it. 
I think it's definitely a shoe in for picture and director and a slew of other awards at the Oscars, but I wonder if that hurts its chances at all at winning at the Oscars. Because I don't necessarily see it winning picture at the Globes. I think Chloe Zhao has a good chance, though, of winning director. So here's my, like, burn it all down thing, which I always just do with the Globes. But I think they're going to give director to Fincher. And I think that's going to be our first, like, alarm bells that we're going to get where we're like, is Chloe Zhao not going to win anymore? We're going to nominate all these women and then David Fincher is going to win for Mank. Mm -hmm. Like, is that really going to happen? So I can definitely see that happening. As far as the ensemble goes, I wouldn't be too worried about it. It's not really an ensemble film. I think it's it's worse for something like Promising Young Woman to not get an ensemble nomination because that's mm-hmm. a film with a clear ensemble. Whereas Nomadland, Francis is the standout. And then I think David Strathairn we can also maybe talk about as sliding into that fifth spot for supporting mm-hmm. actor come mm-hmm. Oscar time. Yeah. I can definitely see them doing that. But as far as ensemble goes, it didn't worry me too much. I, yeah, I agree. It wasn't necessarily a surprise that it didn't get an ensemble nomination. But I think maybe, Nick, to your point, that having an ensemble a big ensemble with a big cast that can bolster up the chances helps so like the five that did get in and you know that that it is a boost to them that no man wasn't able to get Um, Mm -hmm. i didn't expect it to get it but it just didn't happen i will say i love the non-actors from nomadland i know you don't know their performances yet bennett but i think you'll also like them I am just looking at the sag list and that there are only six actors under ma rainey's for ensemble is a lot shorter than the other films so maybe that's where i thought maybe nomadland could have a chance but obviously those six like one name alone is enough to bolster multiple people of you know say non-actors so um i get it i get it i we'll see i did want a nomination for swanky though exactly exactly yes ben i'm so Uh, excited for you to see this she's really great I'd be interested to see who from the Nomad Land cast would have qualified for the ensemble list. Um, the rules around SAG Ensemble are so strange of who gets in, right? It's based on who gets a title card. But I don't mm-hmm. know if it's either before the title or they can't share it with any other actor. or some, There's some rule like that that you can find some articles online where they go through the nominated casts and pull out the people who did not get listed in the SAG ensemble list because they just didn't get the right crediting. Um, so I wonder with Nomadland if anyone other than Francis and right. David Strathairn would have even been on the list. There's some fun stuff like that that is like mm-hmm. kind of nice to look at. So I wonder if the non-actors even would have made it in. I just wanted Swanky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to some of the losers of the nominations, which sounds so terrible. <laughs> Not like losers, but like the people who, yeah, had a bad day. Who didn't show up. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I mentioned Delroy Lindo not getting in. That goes along with the Five Bloods, who had absolutely zero Golden Globe nominations, which being on the other side of it doesn't surprise me based on, you know, all of their... I would say racist choices that they made across the board television as well, which we won't really get into, but no Spike Lee, no nothing for Defy Bloods. Very upsetting. Defy Bloods is interesting because so one, yes, the Hollywood Foreign Press has a race problem. 
we can talk about that now, just that we had so many incredible Black-led films this year. Not a single one got into best film drama, including Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, One Night in Miami, To Five Bloods, Judas and the Black Messiah. It really is just kind of crazy when you think about it. And, you know, Spike Lee, I felt like he was building momentum off of Critics Awards. And maybe that's mm-hmm. just because of the weird timeline we have this year. But to me, it started to feel like, okay, you know, maybe it's not David Fincher coming in to take Chloe Zhao's best director. Maybe it's Spike Lee. Maybe this is the time when they're going to crown him and finally give him best director. But it seems like that is just not the case. He didn't make the BAFTA long list either. So I think just seeing the lack of to five bloods love here was really discouraging. And I'm not quite sure how they're going to fare at the Oscars. And then Delroy missing at SAG as well. Mm-hmm. And not only black led films, but just people in color in general and talking about the Asian American and Korean cast of Minari that also got in at SAG. It's just like a stark difference between the two best picture categories. We talked about Delroy Lindo a little bit, but do you guys think he could surprise Oscar morning? Or do you think maybe there's a chance at BAFTA even? Or do you think this really is just he's out? I think there's still so much time between now and the Oscars, right? There's I haven't compared it to years past, but do we have more of a gap between SAG and Globe nominations and Oscar nominations than usual? We do. We have a bigger gap. And also what's interesting is that SAG and Golden Globes are, I don't know if it's the first time, but in recent memory, they're voting at the same time. Mm. So we might actually get different winners. The Golden Globes might have far less influence on who wins these acting races, which I think could play into maybe Oscar nominations where, you know, if people are seeing like everything about Delroy Lindo getting snubbed and Defy Blood's not getting love and then maybe Academy members decide to reconsider, I can maybe see that happening just because we do have such a long stretch between nominations. Like we have to wait another month and then some. And like voting hasn't even started So I think that these nominations could have a big impact on how people vote. And so tying that back to Mm -hmm. Delroy Lindo, I think maybe there is a, you know, how much do you put stock in looking at the nominations that are there and saying, this is how people feel. They're a bellwether for what's to come. Or do you look at them as, as a way for maybe some actors in the Academy looking at it as a way to kind of rectify making sure we vote for Delroy now that we have all this time because we want to make sure that he gets in. So I think a snub like that for a big, um, a big deal, like, like Delroy not getting in could um, come to bear as an actual nomination. And I know the discrepancy between critics and industry always happens every year, but currently this season Delroy is third out of actors for wins at different award shows behind Chadwick Boseman and Riz and he's pretty far above Anthony Hopkins who has only had two Lindo had eight Boseman has nine and Ahmed has the most at 12 so I don't think the order is going to be the same the fact that like Riz Ahmed would be the most likely to get in but I would just want to see Lindo get in because he was the first best performance of the year And he still holds his ground among a lot of the other potential nominees or nominees we saw from the Globe, say. 
I agree. I'm on the record as calling his performance Shakespearean. I think what's hard with critics awards, and we can talk about this as we go too, but we have such a big gap this year between critics wins and industry nominations. I think a lot of people just who are observers like us, so not voting, I think that we are maybe giving more weight to critics wins this year than ever before Mm -hmm. because we're just stewing over them. Like we didn't have anything that came in quick succession to it. So we think they're going to have more importance when in reality for a lot of people, I think best actor, if we're thinking specifically, yes, Chadwick, but I would say the second is probably Anthony Hopkins. I mean, that performance is towering by someone who's been celebrated in the field for decades. So it's easy to, jumble everything up and give things more weight this year more than ever before. Speaking of big names in the field who did not have a good morning, Wednesday or Thursday, Ellen Burstyn for Pieces of a Woman. This was shocking to me, really, Mm. that she was left out of Golden Globes and SAG. I thought for sure she would at least get into SAG, but we didn't see her either place. What did you guys think of that? She does have a really good performance. I think she is at the bottom of the top five. I'm kind of wondering the same things. Like, is she out for good? Are Glenn Close and more so Olivia Coleman? are they in for good? I think Olivia, to me, was kind of further down, one, because the father hasn't been released yet, and there hasn't been as much hype about her, at least compared to Anthony Hopkins. With Ellen Burstyn, I couldn't remember if she was just getting buzzed for the role because she has kind of the one big scene two-thirds of the way through where she gets a monologue and it was just people who have seen the film who are singing her praises and saying that like she has a standard scene she should be good it looks like she's one maybe one regional critic and has some nominations elsewhere but i don't feel the traction behind her that i do with the others it, it feels like her name was put forward early on as being buzzy and people have just kind of left her in thinking that like because her name was said early on and therefore she should carry through that also could be my own bias. I didn't think she was very good in the film. So I I don't think that she should be nominated. But I think that there has been a narrative building around her as if she's nominated, she would be the oldest acting nominee ever. Um, so there's a narrative there that um, was getting some publicity. But if she didn't get in with SAG, I don't know. I think she could miss. I think she's out. I really do. I think it's done. As someone who was not a fan of Pieces of a Woman, the movie but a fan of Kirby's performance, I can totally see how someone in the Academy could watch this movie and tap out after the first 30 minutes mm-hmm. and be like, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to see what else is coming in this. Kirby is excellent and maybe not even getting to the burst in performance. I think we have to consider that people aren't going to watch everything. <laughs> yeah. It's really unfortunate, but the case, I think that for someone like Glenn Close or Olivia Coleman, The Father and Hillbilly Elegy are tough films to watch for very different reasons. (laughs) But (laughs) both of those actresses, I think, are nomination and or awards win magnets, as opposed to Ellen Burstyn, who's had this hiatus. So I think that Olivia and Glenn are just easy check-the-box votes here. Mm -hmm. And I think both do have good performances in their films. I will defend Glenn for anything basically so i think they're both in for the long haul it does make me sad to say that i would be more content performance wise with a glenn nomination for hillbilly elegy than i would for a ellen burston nomination for pieces of a woman i feel the same way 
And I don't like saying that because hillbilly elegy should, why are we saying those words? We should not have reached this point, but. Did you see that there was like some news outlet? I can't remember. They called it hillbilly eulogy in their <laughs> awards <Well. laughs> list. I was like, well, Freudian there slip. we go. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> Nick, I know that you've doubted Glenn and Hillbilly Elegy, but I'm going to call her the front runner again wow. here. I think Glenn being in is fine. And we talked about Glenn and Amy before being separate from the awful mm-hmm. film that it is. And I think Amy getting in is a little more surprising to me, especially at SAG. But mm-hmm. I think Glenn being in there is fine. I wonder what her campaign is going to be and if she has a good shot at winning which could even be more disappointing if she were to lose after trying so hard again after the wife. I don't think with Bakalova in there for the Oscars, it's going to be likely. <laughs> you Wait, you think that if Maria Bakalova is in, she's beating Glenn at the Oscars? I think Best Actress is going to come down to drama at the Globes. But I think with Meryl's snub, Bakalova has a really good shot, if not clinched win, at the Globes. I'm still standing by my comparison to J-Lo. I mean, maybe she's more like a Melissa McCarthy type of nominee for Bridesmaids. Yeah, I see that. But I am not to the point where I can buy her coming in to win the Oscar. I mean, that's just to me like wild. It's like Marissa Tomei or someone like that, but that's even more likely. So supporting right now is Maria Bakalova, Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman. We think those three are pretty locked. Um, we haven't talked about Helena Zengel. I know I've avoided mentioning her name. Yeah. I still haven't seen, but I know that this podcast does not want her to get nominated. No, I, I actually really like her. I liked the movie more than Nick did. Like I said last time, child actors, SAG is the place for them. Mm. They nominated Jacob Tremblay for Room. It should have been more on our radar, but getting both is is pretty nuts. We just don't have space for Helena Zengel in there because we have Yunya Jung and Amanda Seyfried. Like Bennett, you mentioned three being locks and I don't necessarily feel Olivia Coleman's a lock, hmm. but if that's the three, we only have two spots. And if Zengel's one of them, which maybe you're hoping a win for Seyfried, Sophia at the Oscars, maybe. Yes. I love Amanda's performance. I thought it's like the best thing of the movie, but I think our two locks are Olivia and Glenn. I think that they have the support. The narrative around them being in is a good one. Those are the only two I would consider locks. I don't think Maria Bakalova is necessarily a lock. I think that she and Helena Zengel both have Golden Globe and SAG. Like, what makes Maria more of a lock than Helena Zengel? Really, I mean, if older people are voting, we have to think about that too. Mm. This over 60 crowd that makes up a good portion of the Academy, they're going to like News of the World more than Borat. True. I would guess. So for me, like, yes, Maria Bakalova has a strong campaign, but I can't call her a lock for that type of movie. That just seems too far for me. I can see her getting in. But yeah, I'm at this point only calling the two of them locks. Do we see this as another situation where Olivia turns in a very, like, strong, critically praised role in a British film Glenn turns in this big showy role in a not good movie and the narrative is around Glenn getting her win. There's not a clear front runner in the category. 
I'm waiting for it to click in where Olivia swoops in and wins once again over Glenn. I think so, because one, Glenn is campaigning harder for hillbillyology than she did for the wife. She's really making it stick that she's proud of the work, at least that she did in the movie, which is admirable. Mm -hmm. I think she actually does really good work Mm -hmm. in the movie. I think with Olivia, what's interesting is that, so let's say if Chadwick is the clear front runner for best actor and people are like, well... I love the father, but Anthony Hopkins isn't going to win. Olivia Coleman might win. So I'm going to vote for Olivia Coleman as my vote for the father. Mm. Yep. I'm going to come out and say it. I am rooting for Glenn. I'm not against Glenn here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would be happy if she finally wins, but like for this, this is a little upsetting. But like you said, she did, she has a good role. This It happens all the time in history. Like people win for bad movies all the time. Would I want her to win for Hillbilly Elegy over the wife? Maybe. <laughs> I was going to say win for Hillbilly Elegy over Zoom. That's sad. <laughs> Poor Glenn. Yeah. Hey, she'll get her Oscar. She will. Let's move on to some wild things that happened. The number one thing that happened shocked us all. We did not want to hear it even more than Helena Zengel was Jared Leto being nominated at both the Globes and SAG. I think the listeners by now know how I feel about Jared Leto and it's not positively. I think here though, in this movie, when I did watch it, I was so bored for so much of it. I like really slow movies, but this was just so bad. And when Jared Leto appeared, that is actually when I got interested or at least more interested in the movie because he's just giving you high camp. It is such a showy, over-the-top, ridiculous performance that people confused it for a good one. I mean, if he's going to win for putting some brown contacts in, I just the performance is pretty short, too. It's just not enough. It's like a it's a direct copy off of like 3 movies seven zodiac and silence of the lambs with like a little criminal minds csi thrown in there it's kind of nightmarish it's seven to a t like there are intense moments that are enjoyable in a thrilling way but this is one of those last minute movies that came out that was so disappointing is he someone we need to worry about do you think he can get an oscar nomination for this I think we give the Academy a lot of credit sometimes. And do they deserve it all the time? No. Now I think he could. I think the fourth and fifth slots are pretty shaky right now in that category that he could be one of them. The only lock I have in the category right now is Sasha Baron Cohen. You don't think Leslie Odom Jr.? I'd put him as a lock. He's like, he's very close to one. He'd be my second pick. I really liked One Night in Miami. And I feel like the industry also like it in that performance. So... I'm hopeful. I just am like the only person I can solidify right now is Sasha. I think Daniel Kaluuya is pretty close as well. Another one I was going to mention quick that one we haven't even seen yet is I Care A Lot, which Rosamund Pike got a nomination for, which comes out on Netflix this week. I'm really excited to see it. It sounds like it's a great role for her finally and that she has a lot of fun with it. I love her. So I hope that it's a good role for her because like... The career that I wanted for her post Gone Girl has not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. So it seems like mismanagement, but I'm very excited for this one and glad she got in because that category was just crazy to begin with. So 
I'm glad that we're seeing her there, even though I haven't seen the performance. Speaking of that category, is it time to talk about Kate Hudson as Zoo in music? Is there anything to talk about other than what we know, which is just the controversy with autism advocacy groups? In short, the issue is that Maddie Ziegler, who is her longtime dance partner who's been in probably every single video she's done, plays this autistic person who Kate Hudson as Zoo eventually comes in, basically has to babysit, I think. Yeah, Maddie Ziegler, her character's name is Music, the titular Music. And my understanding is that it's, yeah, she's playing a like neuroatypical girl who in her mind kind of escapes into a world where she is a you know world-class dancer and and that's where Sia's direction comes in that it's mm-hmm. sounds like it's like a two-hour music video is kind of what the movie sounds like and Maddie Ziegler's dancing through most of it presumably to Sia songs in the casting of it was looking for neuroatypical actresses but she says that she couldn't find someone who was able to kind of keep up with the demands of the dancing mm-hmm. and uh, but then the controversy after that was that there were autism advocacy groups who signed petitions to cancel the film and had a lot of kind of debate between Sia and these groups where Sia was doubling down on a lot of things. She was trying to defend herself, but it just wasn't going very well. And that was all that I knew about this movie before we got to Golden Globe nominations. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, should not have been nominated. This film probably should never have seen the light of day or happened so the fact that it just is coming up again here is just such a typical hollywood foreign press being out of touch sia deactivated her twitter after the Mm -hmm. golden globe nominations came out um she posted a couple tweets kind of apologizing for the situation and then deactivated it and yikes yikes is right i will not be watching the film i will say that so something else I noticed between the two sets of nominees was that for picture, only trial overlaps between the two. And then the other eight nominees could make up our, including trial, nine best picture nominees, plus potentially another one added in. So those nine would be Defy Bloods, The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Promising Young Woman, and Trial of the Chicago 7. I think that's a strong nine. I think a lot of people have predicted those for the whole year. Do we think those nine are in for good? I think those nine are the leading nine right now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say for good with the sliding scale of nominees. I agree. I can see a world where only seven of them get Best Picture nominations. Mm -hmm. specifically so it's very likely that one of the SAG ensemble nominees will not get a best picture nom that happens most of the time where they don't match up five for five with the way that Netflix has been doing their awards campaigns and the way that Defy Bloods has been performing so far with the industry I am worried that Defy Bloods will be out I think that that will kind of be that bubble slot because I think the thing that we have to remember for Oscars with a preferential ballot To get a Best Picture nomination, a lot of people have to list the movie as their number one movie of the year. And for some of these, I just am not sure I can see that happening. The one I'm iffy about is Promising Young Woman. For me, I'm not as confident about it, only because, like I said earlier, the SAG Ensemble miss. I think that Carrie is really strong. 
and it had a good morning at the Golden Globes. I think we'll have to wait and see who wins at the Golden Globes. I think then maybe I'll be able to be more confident in predicting it or not for getting in. But right now it is a bubble one for me. And same with the father. I will mm-hmm. I will say it again. I don't know how many people will rank <laughs> that as number one. I don't know why it's in my head that way, but... Or just having the three play the, adaptations, The three right? play is adaptations. That... Yeah, I still I still feel that way. I don't think we're going to see all three of them. I don't see a lot of like passion behind them. The strongest one to me is One Night in Miami. So the Globes are happening at the end of February, and then Oscar voting for nomination starts the 5th of March. So there is a little time in there where they're going to have time to talk and kind of mull things over. So another wrench. The other thing I wanted to ask about is if we do get the 10, would we see Judas and the Black Messiah or maybe even Soul hop in there? As far as Judas and the Black Messiah goes, I can see it. If we look back at award shows past, late breakers sometimes do really well. 1917, Phantom Thread, where all of a sudden there is sometimes that swell of late breaking support that comes So I could see it happening. As far as Soul goes, so there's never been an animated film nominated for Best Picture in the preferential ballot era. We haven't seen it yet. So that leads me to believe it's not likely. But I could see it happening just because of the technical support, especially for Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Again, I feel less confident just given what we know about the preferential ballot in animated films. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm pretty low on Soul's chances of getting in. But then would Judas be number 10? I don't think there's going to be 10 nominees, but Mm-mm. that late-breaking ones, if there's a lot of excitement behind them, they could surge up to someone's number one just when it's right at the right time to vote. And I think that could be also why Promising Young Woman seems to be such a big thing right now. Sure, it was seen a year ago at last year's Sundance with The Father, I think coming out of that, the father had more Oscar buzz for sure than Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. And then it's mm-hmm. hitting at the right time that if there's enough people who love it, it could get number one. I think it's either number one or not on someone's list. It's either a benefit that it's polarizing or it's completely detrimental to its chances. Mm-hmm. I think it's the one film that has benefited from the pandemic because it was supposed to come out in the spring. If it came out in the spring, I don't think we'd be hearing about it at all. Oh, right. The I really don't. Yeah. Do we want to just do a quick draft update? Oh, yeah. Sure. So Nick has 73. Bennett has 33. I have 26. I will say the last time we talked, I had zero points. So I'm very happy with how well I've been doing with the industry. Still mm-hmm. a race. Like we predicted, you're coming on strong with industry awards. <laughs> and I'm thing? starting to peter out. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess I'm more proud to have chosen things that are the critics prefer, which leads us to Critics Choice Award nominations. Bennett, if that's your last hurrah, then it's coming. But unfortunately, the trial of the Chicago Seven is my little engine that could. And like you said, you're rooting for it with your hand over your eyes. I'm like, don't tell anyone, please. Like, shh. I mean, that's also me with hillbillyology. So. I think in a much worse way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. (laughs) One thing to think about is I think with the nominations coming, a big place maybe to gain points is nominations versus wins. 
I think because, you know, we can get a lot of points with these nominations. Like, for the Golden Globes, I got seven points just for my movie alone. For one movie, for Trial of the Chicago 7. But, like, what if it doesn't win anything? Like, it can just be a big nominations push. Mm -hmm. Or is this a place where it could win a bunch of stuff and I could make up some of the difference? I'm very happy with my Netflix pick, just having so many contenders. And the only thing I can gloat about is that three of my four actors were nominated at SAG. Just last time I was on this podcast, I said that we all whiffed an actress Mm -hmm. because we were so sure that Hillbilly Elegy was dead in the water. And you both chose Glenn and Amy. There they are. The films that we have left, we chose pretty well, surprisingly. I think Mm -hmm. we didn't Uh think we did maybe a few months ago, but... Uh So, Sophia, you have Trial of Chicago 7, like you said. Nick has Mank, Minari, and Hillbilly Elegy. I guess with Hillbilly Elegy, you're really going on actors only. It's two, yeah. It's not like a full... But what if it is more? (laughs) And then my two films are Defy Bloods and Tenet. Tenet missed the stunt ensemble, and that's just a blow because yeah. <laughs> there's just no support for anything. It did get the score nomination, though, right? At, yeah, it got the Globe it did. score yeah. nomination, so that's something. It did. I think we'll still see Tenet in technical, special effects, all of those categories. So I don't think that's totally gone. And I would really hope for a potential oscar score nomination i think that would be really exciting i was gonna say also bennett so you and i have kate winslet and saoirse ronan common wisdom says they're not going anywhere but we have baftas and i think maybe they could get nominated for baftas and baftas nominate six so there's an extra spot nice all right so that is our last i would say awards nomination update that we'll have for a little while we'll check back in I think right before the Oscars. So we'll have a series coming out about updates around the shortlist and different categories, but we won't be back doing one of these until we know a lot more, which is pretty exciting. Thank you, Bennett, for coming on again and updating us and talking about the nominations. We'll definitely have you back in March when we get Oscar nominations. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be around, but I always have to (laughs) dig into things with you guys and commiserate. Truly, that's what we will be doing, I think, for yeah. the rest of award season now that the critics' time has pretty much passed. So, yeah. all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next time. Stay safe and wear your masks. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening and watching.